Well, like I said, I love New Year's Eve, and today is New Year's Day, 2023. It is a new year. In our culture today, it begins that New Year's Eve resolution, or New Year's Day resolution of making that list, or making those goals that you want to accomplish. I remember one of mine was to begin seminary at Moody. That's something I'm pursuing right now as a master's in divinity, and that's something um, that I'm really passionate about, and that was something on my list. One of the things with me and Paula recently for this year is to go to three conferences or retreats or Christian uh, um, outings together, and we're going to one in February, which I'm really excited about. Well, I'm uh, really excited to bring the Word of God to us this morning because we know that we need it every single day of our lives. We know that the grass withers, we know that the flower fades, but the Word of God endures forever. The Word of God is what sustains us every day. So if you could please stand for the reading of God's word and turn to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, 34 to 39 is going to be our passage this morning. Matthew 10, 34. So these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will for my sake, we'll find it. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank thank you for uh, the words that Jesus has proclaimed to us this morning. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that they would be acceptable before you, God. And I pray for those here, that they would have ears to hear what what you are wanting to say to them this morning, God. Be with us, Father. In your name we pray, amen. may be seated. Well, our main idea this morning is that true disciples encounter division and practice devotion. True disciples encounter division and practice devotion. And we see here in this passage that discipleship is flooded. Jesus lays out that there will be division in your lives. But despite that, our devotion must remain on him. Over the last couple months, I felt this message that God has put on my heart, this message of is Jesus everything or is he nothing? Because we want to find a third option. If you're honest, you might be thinking, man, there's got to be a third option. There's got to be something else. But there isn't. Because if he isn't everything, he's nothing. Jesus said there was two roads, the wide and the narrow. Jesus said there was two foundations, the rock and the sand. And then the reality is that many Christians today want part of Jesus, but are not truly wanting to follow him with every aspect of their lives. They have one hand in the world and one hand with Jesus. They have one hand in their jobs and one hand with Jesus. They have one hand with their family and one hand with Jesus. They have one hand in their politics and one hand with Jesus. And the list can go on. 
But as we see in our text this morning, Jesus says, those who truly follow me, those who truly love me, they have their lives centered on me. Nothing else. Not that these things are bad, but Christ calls for our whole selves to him, not part. I remember in college, uh, I did a lot of uh, Hulu, I did a lot of trials. So I did a lot of like Hulu trials, like free trials. I did a lot of uh, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, Jim, just like a bunch of different random free trials. I love free trials. And some of them were for a week and some of them were for a month. You don't really get any like three months or six months because they're smart. You know, that's kind of too long. But um, I love those week or month long trials. And at some point, you get to the end. You get to the last day where you have a couple choices, right? You either have to continue and pay that membership, membership fee or you have to pause it or you have to cancel it. But the reality is, is it, it felt nice. No responsibilities being in that free trial. No obligation, no commitment. Just enjoy the free trial. And the only thing you had to do was just to cancel it on the last day. And I think in a lot of ways, this is similar to what Jesus is getting at here in this text and how our world operates, which is totally from what Jesus is saying here. Our culture screams, no commitment required. And with this false claim, we live in a time where commitment is lacking. And the church isn't void of this either. We need to understand that discipleship is what Jesus calls all of us to. Discipleship that is rooted in being students and followers of Christ. The confession of sin. The faith in God enduring trials and challenges. These are the things that God is calling us to as disciples. But for many, if you're honest, you don't want this. A lot of people want part of Christ, but not all of Christ. Just as the great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, grace and discipleship are inseparable. When we receive the grace of Jesus Christ, when you, for, when you trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, you enter into a lifelong discipleship process of being sanctified and being more like him. It's either we're disciples of Christ or not. And that's why these words are so important for us to hear today, January 1st, 2023. The world says, no commitment required. Jesus says, follow me. Well, in verses 34 to 36 um, is our first point. But before we get to our first point, I want to give us a little bit of context. So in chapter 10 of Matthew, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and Jesus had just sent out the 12 to heal, to cast out demons, and to preach the good news. And he's been teaching them about persecution that will come against them. But to not fear the world, only fear God. In the last two verses, in verses 32 to 33, are some of my favorite verses. Jesus makes this important claim. He says, if you do not acknowledge me, my Father will not acknowledge you. And if you acknowledge me, my Father will acknowledge you. And that's where we are in this text today, in verses 34 to 39. But specifically in 34 to 36 is going to be our first point. So our first point this morning is that the gospel brings division. The gospel brings division. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. 
For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Well, certainly Jesus didn't mean the sword literally, nor is he talking about the sword as judgment against people. But he's saying is that those who follow Jesus, they will face division, conflict in their lives. And this can be seen in several different ways, and Jesus alludes to that in verses 35 to 36 in the family context. One other thing here to add is that Jesus says that he did not bring peace. Might be a little bit confusing for some of us here, because he did bring peace. But Jesus, in this context, is referring to this in a different sense. Peace that brings salvation and harmony and freedom is what he has brought. But what Jesus is saying with peace is a peace that rids of challenge, a peace that rids of pain and conflict and challenges and trials, which we know is far from the Christian life. That's what Jesus is getting at in verse 22 in chapter 10. He says you will be hated, not by some, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Well, many Jews believed in this type of peace that Jesus is referring to. This peace is what many Jews and even believers, um, Jesus' disciples, believed in that time. That Jesus would overthrow the Roman government and establish his political presence in that way. That's what Acts 1-6 says. But even after Christ's death and his resurrection, the disciples still did not fully understand his mission on earth. Not one of political importance, but one of spiritual and sin importance. He came to bring sinners out of bondage rather than to overthrow a political government. And so we know that the gospel brings division. And Jesus expands on this by giving an analogy about the family. And that's in verses 35 to 36. So in this, Jesus quotes from the prophet Micah. Prophet uh, Micah in Micah 7, 6 emphasizes that just as there was war and division and rebellion in that time, so too will there be towards believers. The sword, this division that Jesus is talking about will cause this family dysfunction because of not following some leader, not because of following some celebrity, not because of following some political party, not because of following some group, but because of following Jesus. In this time, the family dynamic was foundational, even for a lot of us here too, but especially in that time. The father was the most important role in the family, and the division between the son and the father was extraordinary. Even to the division between the mother and the daughter and the daughter-in-law and the mother-in-law. Even in the safest of places for someone, people will be faced with the reality of this being true, of their of, people, of the person's enemies being in their own family. Jesus isn't saying that he wants this for all people, but the reality is, is when you follow him, the result of following him will lead to a level of division in the family and in other relationships. But then I think about the Middle East, and I think about China and so on, where people are being disregarded for their faith by their own family and even physically persecuted. Yet here in America, we may not face that exact type of persecution, but maybe it's division with coworkers or family members or close friends that when they know and find out you're a Christian, they treat you differently or maybe even stop talking to you. 
Jesus is talking about a division that separates himself from the rest of people, a division that glorifies him and honors him above anything and anyone else. And that's why we have our sword picture right here. Against the family, against the spouse and friends, and so on. Well, is this true for you? Has Jesus brought division in your life where you have made him the king of kings? And maybe that coworker you used to be friends with doesn't help you anymore on projects. Or maybe just talks to you a little differently now. Or it's a close friend that knows you're a Christian and doesn't invite you to holiday parties or gatherings. That's right. We can come up with so many different things. And whatever it might be, there's a difference in how others relate to you. This is the type of division that Jesus is talking about, whether it's family, friends, coworkers, or peers, or anyone. Because following him brings division. But Jesus remains our king forever. Or maybe for some of you, you may have never experienced this level of division. You've trusted in Christ, but if someone really knew if you were a Christian, if someone really knew you were a believer, they wouldn't recognize you as a believer. Let me challenge you for a second and ask, if division did come into your life, would, I, would you identify yourself with Christ? And so for all of us, as Jesus calls us to follow him, we follow him in word and we follow him in deed. And in this, there will be division in our lives. As the world brings conflict in your life, as the world tempts you with the pleasures of what it offers, Jesus is asking, am I enough? Am I everything to you or am I nothing to you? Is your heart after our King Jesus or is your heart after something or someone else? Because as we encounter division, our hearts will reveal what we truly worship. And that leads us to our second point this morning. So in verses 37 to 39, we have our second point that the gospel demands devotion. The gospel demands devotion. Devotion that is seen with love and commitment to a person. I thought of using the word deserving or maybe a different synonym to that word. But this word demands has such high implications, major connotations that must be met with what Jesus is saying here in this text. Devotion that is rooted in commitment towards him. That despite what is happening, despite what people may say, our love towards Christ is above all things. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Because our hearts reveal what we truly value. Where commitment to Jesus is the reality or it's not. So Jesus makes three whoever statements in verses 37 to 39. He says, whoever three times. And this phrase of not worthy of me means you're not worthy to be my disciple. That's what Jesus is saying here. And the word worthy in the Greek means deserving recognition in a certain way. So what he's getting at is that Jesus is saying, you're not deserving to be seen as my disciple. I am not associated with you. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. That just means that Jesus is saying, you're not right to call yourself one of my disciples. In Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, 
in this context, um, in, this, in this chapter, he's speaking as someone who lives a life without discipleship. He's speaking as someone who lives a life without devotion to Jesus. They might identify themselves as Christians, but this is the type of life they live. He says, my only duty as a Christian is to leave the world for an hour or so on a Sunday morning and go to church and be assured that my sins are all forgiven. I need no longer try to follow Christ. Well, this was written 100 years ago, and this still holds true today for many people because we live in America where many Christians disregard discipleship. Many go to church and see what they can receive. Many go to church and see what they can get and then go home feeling good about themselves for going to church, checking that off their list, having their sins forgiven, and live the rest of their week without putting Christ at the center of their lives because the reality is there's no need for discipleship, some would say. And I hear this when I meet friends and peers who say that they're checking out different churches, which is good. We should be checking out different churches if you're looking for a church and trying to figure out what you and your spouse and your family are wanting. But the reality is, is many don't settle on a church because it doesn't meet their needs. It doesn't have what they are needing. And so instead of saying, what do I bring to this church? How can we serve? Is this the place that God is calling us to? The reality is that it's not that. It's the opposite. How can we get filled up? What life group can I join? How can I get connected here? Which are great things, and we want both. But the reality is, is for many, it's only about us. And so God calls us to come receive love and care hear the word preached, be in community, be in fellowship at church, but also to serve and build up the body of Christ. For when we make it a priority of devoting ourselves to Christ, we are following him. And so these words of what Jesus is getting at here, these three truths that Jesus lays out in verses 37 to 39 are what he means by demanding devotion not because he's needing devotion, not because he's wanting devotion. Because we know that in God's word, Jesus says, and he rebukes the Pharisees, and he says to the Pharisees that even these stones would cry out. And this was right when the disciples were praising and worshiping God. And so the Pharisees come in and say, Rebuke your disciples. But the reality is, is that even the stones would cry out to him. So he's not whining us. He's not needing devotion. He's not emptying himself saying, hey, I'm looking for affection from you. He's inviting us to love him. He's inviting us to devote ourselves to him. Because he deserves all the glory. He deserves all of our worship. I love what one commentator says about Jesus demanding devotion. He says, No mere man has the right to claim a love higher than that for parents or children or anyone else. It is only because he is who he is. Only he can say that. So with these three truths that Jesus lays out to us, I want to go through each one really quickly because each one is significant and each one is demanding of our devotion to Christ. So in verse 37... 
Jesus says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Well, this stunning statement was incredibly hard for many of the disciples to hear, especially as Jesus transitions from verse 35 and verse 36 to verse 37. As love for being him the greatest, as the disciples and many of us here really value family and our relationships with others, but Jesus tells them otherwise. And so maybe for you it's your whole family, or maybe it's your son or your daughter or grandparent. All the time, all the energy, all the memories that you've made together should not compare to the love that Jesus is calling you to himself. Jesus isn't saying you shouldn't love them. He's saying what he says. If you love someone more than me, you are not fit to follow me. Or maybe you're in a relationship and you've been dating or engaged or maybe you're married your love, the person that you've spent a lot of your time with, that you've poured out your heart to, you've made so many memories together, you've seen the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows, and the reality is, is that even too, in this relationship, Jesus demands the same thing. Is he the king of kings? Is he what your life says? Just as I stood face to face with my bride, thinking about how much I loved her, thinking about how much I cared for her, and was excited to enter into this lifelong relationship, I am reminded with passages like these that Jesus deserves our devotion, even if at times it's hard to believe, or even if at times it's hard to even feel. Because he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-loving and all-caring, never failing Yet for some of us here, you may identify yourself with Christ, but really Jesus isn't at the center of your life. I'm not talking about moments, right, because we all fall short. We all have moments where we have different loves, and God's grace cleanses us of that. But I'm talking about if you had to rewind of when you trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and today on January 1st, 2023, you would see a major difference in your heart and love towards others and other things rather than Jesus. Because Jesus demands our devotion. He isn't asking, am I something to you? He's asking, am I everything to you? What life are we living? A life that is wanting to be devoted to him, to Jesus Christ, or to not be devoted to him? And so he continues and he picks up in verse 38 with the second whoever claim. In verse 38, Jesus says, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So for the disciples hearing this, they would have been completely thrown off and fearful of this statement. In fact, Jesus wasn't the first one to be crucified. I think that's really important for us to know. This was something that happened plenty of times with crucifixions these types of executions. And it's probably right to say that the disciples had seen these executions happen. And one thing to know about these uh, crucifixions, these ways of uh, being executed, is that when you carry your cross, you are surrendering your rights. You're surrendering your freedom and allowing others before you to have their way. So as the disciples hear these words... 
any normal man would have asked, does Jesus call us to do the same? Yes, not literally, because we know that Jesus died the death we should have died literally, physically, in agony. But Jesus is talking about this figuratively. Jesus surrendered his rights. He surrendered his freedom to the Roman government to be executed. He was following his father's plan, his mission. But we know that in Scripture, Jesus had the authority. He had the authority, if you wanted, to not do that. We see that in the Gospels, where Jesus gets taken into custody, where the guards come up and arrest him. And Jesus says that if I wanted to have the legion of angels come down here and get rid of all of this, I could, but I'm not going to. He chose to fulfill the scriptures. He chose to die the death we should have died. And that is the person we follow. That is the person we worship. That is the person that we devote our lives to daily. Jesus, just as these disciples, he's calling each and every one of us to carry our cross and surrender our lives to him daily. Not just a sinner's prayer you might have prayed at some point in your life. Not just a baptism you might have been baptized at some point in your life. But devoting our lives to him in practice every single day. That despite trials, that despite challenges, despite the division and the conflicts in our lives we face every day. Because we know that we have a high priest, Jesus, who's able to empathize with us because he's gone through what we've gone through. He's been tempted and he knows our weaknesses and he's able to sustain us and to carry us from here to when he returns. So Jesus demands our devotion. As we take up our cross daily to follow him, through the different ways you might suffer for your faith, God is in that and using that to make us more into his son. And so finally we get to verse 39. In verse 39, Jesus makes his final statement, his final whoever statement. He says, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Well, these words are the same that we see in John 12, 25. Jesus is saying, as you lose your life, as you take up your cross and follow me, you will find it. But those who do not take up their cross and rather try to follow or try to um, find their life, they will perish. And this has eternal matters in mind. The world says keep seeking after your business, keep seeking after your dreams, keep seeking after your family, keep seeking after the pleasures of this world. But we know that in the end, as you find your life, you will end up losing it, which leads to hell. But Jesus says, lose, give up your life to me, and you will find it. You will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in heaven. And the reality of hell is scary for many of us. And Jesus spoke much about this topic. The fright, the tears of hell shouldn't confuse us but bring repentance and a place of realization that a time is coming where Jesus is going to separate the goats from the sheep, the weeds from the wheat, and he's going to judge all of us. 
but we also too know that in all of these things that are going to happen on our time on earth right now, we need to understand that God desires all men and women to be saved. That's what we see in 1 Timothy. But the truth is that some will not be. So Jesus demands our devotion. He is worthy to be praised forever and ever. Not just today, not just on a Sunday morning, not just on a Sunday and Wednesday at Life Group, or Sunday and Tuesday at Life Group, or Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday Life Group, and you can kind of fill it in. But every single day, he is to be praised. We are supposed to give our devotion to him, not because he needs it, but because he's inviting us to, and he calls us to do that. So as we wrap up this morning, I want us to go back to our main idea that true disciples encounter division and practice devotion. What an easy, simple thing to know, right, and to even believe, but what a heavy, hard thing to practice every single day and to experience every single day. But we know that as the gospel brings division and the gospel demands a j- devotion, Jesus has brought the sword. He has brought division amongst believers, and he calls us to love him and to put him above all things in our lives. And so, church, will you put Jesus Christ at the center of your life this year, 2023, January 1st, not looking to 2022, not looking to past years and how they have gone? Will you make Jesus, the Lord of lords in your life. God calls us to himself every day to carry our cross and to follow Jesus, to put everything and everyone to the side and to give him our undivided attention. Will you give him your money? Will you give him your time? Will you give him your affections? Will you give him your devotion? Will you give him all of yourself? Because the truth is there's nothing greater than that. There's no third option. He's everything or nothing. And I always try to have practical next steps in my messages, but this morning um, is a practical next step, but more just internally, where I want us to meditate on these words of Christ and to dwell in his grace. Let what he said here change the desires of our hearts and to seek after him, because we know that his grace is sufficient. When we walk in his grace, we see the mercies that he gives us every single day. We see the person that he's calling us to be every single day. And when we don't walk in his grace, when we look to ourselves, when I say, what can Julian do, or what does this world offer All of that is fleeting and all that is not powerful, but Jesus' grace is never changing and all powerful. Let us live in his grace every single day. So I want to ask, what are some areas in your life, what are some areas in our lives today that we need to repent and confess to the Lord? Now, if there is some stuff, because all of us have stuff to repent about, what are some areas in our lives that we need to repent and confess to the Lord this morning? I want 2023 to be a year for all of us that when we look back in November or in December, 
we see how we've died to ourselves, how we've carried our cross to follow Jesus, not perfectly, because we'll never be perfect in doing that, but as God perfects us, and how we've sought after Jesus and his grace rather than anything or anyone else. Because we know that as we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit guides us to all truth. And our hearts and our attitudes become more aligned with his. When we look at our relationships, when we look at our work and our school and our family and our coworkers, all of that doesn't become idolized because our gaze is transfixed on Jesus. And when it isn't, we ask God for forgiveness. Will you put him at the center of your life every day? Will you bask and live in his grace? Because Jesus is everything or nothing. Will you act like he's everything? Will we, Fox Valley Church, act every day in our lives, seven days a week, that Jesus is everything to us? Because the reality is, if it's not that, then he's nothing to you. He's nothing to me. For when we put him at the center, God honors that, he sees that, and he will bless that. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and your grace that you give to us each day, God. We pray that as we encounter division, Father, that you would be with us. You would continue to be with us. Continue to give us your grace. Continue to give us your mercy and strengthen us, Father, as we navigate all these different divisions. And then, Father God, I ask that you help us devote ourselves to you, not because you are seeking that or desiring that because you do not have that, but because you are inviting us and calling us to do that, God. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us have a 2023, a new year, Father, where we live for you and put you at the center of our lives. And all these things, Father, we pray. Amen.